Hello, Team NXT. CD, Danny Mac here, bringing you episode 99 of that UFP show, talking all about the NXT show, the Undisputed Future Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and whether you've been listening from episode 1 or just started today, I cannot be more excited to have you on the final stop before episode 1 It is a beautiful yet windy day out here in Shaolin, Staten Island, New York, Carmela's kayfabe kingdom, and it could be symbolizing for the winds of change blowing throughout the world of professional wrestling. I could be reading a little bit more into that and trying to find a way to associate pro wrestling in every aspect of my life, but that's just what I do, and I'm sure many of you are under that same mindset. Another great episode of NXT TV taking place on October 16th, 2019. To be perfectly transparent, my recording schedule did get a little whacked out this week, so I'm recording this on Saturday morning, October 19th. It it was really just a matter of mental health really kicking me in the crotch this week, and a lot of things just not going my way outside of this profession and my career, and uh, just just one mistake after another, and just the universe sending me all sorts of not-the-best-signs at this time, lots of errands to run this end of last week. So, I'm here with you guys on a Saturday morning, treating this like a Saturday takeover edition of the show, and there is a lot to talk about. The major return this week Daddy's home, Tommaso Ciampa returning to action without without missing a beat. The guy still got it. He looks better than ever and really, really showing some great stuff this week. We had the continuation of the Dominic Dijakovic and Keith Lee rivalry round four in this big man brawl of a rivalry with some added stakes to it that I really cannot wait to discuss a little bit later on. I want to start this episode off, though, by talking about the namesake of this show, the undisputed future of pro wrestling, the first ever NXT champion, Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins has gotten a lot of flack this week, and you really don't need to look too far to ask yourself why. It it didn't necessarily start with that Hell in a Cell ending, but it definitely did not help things. Catching Raw this week and the burning down of the Firefly Funhouse and catching the live reaction to this Seth Rollins and Fiend rivalry, it's it's not helping him. And it sucks. It really, it's, it's, it's hurting both sides at this point. And now they're going to have another clash at a Falls Count Anywhere match at this glorified house show at Crown Jewel. Not an event I'm... A particular fan of. I'm not going to get into the politics and why, but just do just do yourself a little bit of a Google, and uh, you'll definitely figure out some great reasons why I could personally object to this. I don't know why this partnership exists between that country and Vince McMahon. It uh, it's all about the green, sadly. Uh, just more capitalistic practices. But this is not a politics podcast. I'm going to skip over that. Bray Wyatt, the Fiend, is doing some incredible, incredible work. One of the most captivating characters to hit our TV screens in a long time. And having Seth Rollins 
not benefit from this rivalry, having really neither side benefit from that Hell in a Cell ending, which I'm sure you've heard ad nauseum discussed on other professional wrestling podcasts, so you could probably skip into about maybe 8 to 10 minutes worth of, of this show if you want to get into some more NXT announcements. But all in all, I'm really pushing for Seth Rollins to somehow rebound. But I don't think this upcoming match is going to help him. They had to they had to clarify for a Falls Count Anywhere match, based on how the last pay-per-view ending played out, that this match cannot be stopped for any reason. Can't be stopped for any reason in a Falls Count Anywhere match, yet we have this wacky referee's take on the events of Hell in a Cell, and that's how that match is stopped when we've had the comparison of many times in the past the Mick Foley mankind being thrown off the cell by the goddamn Undertaker, and yet that match carried on fine. Stretcher spot did not stop Mick Foley. It didn't stop him from getting chokeslammed through the top of the cell, and that match ended with a pin clean fall as nasty as it was. It was also a clean finish if we're talking specifics in pro wrestling terms. So I don't understand it. I think that clarification on a Falls Count Anywhere match just laid out for the sake of how that last interaction and how that last match ended. It's it's not benefiting this rivalry. They're already separated. Seth Rollins, Universal Champion on Raw. Bray Wyatt, ready to cause havoc on Friday Night SmackDown on Fox. Give that character the network and mainstream attention. And let's get him a rivalry with one of the many talents drafted over to SmackDown. I don't want to get into the draft specifics either. I thought it could have done with some figureheads at the helm, not just Stephanie McMahon coming out on behalf of USA and Fox Networks. I I really didn't understand the drafts. The format itself I didn't agree with, but taking a look at the rosters, I do think that they're balanced. I think a lot of people are going to benefit from exposure on Fox and the mainstream, and I think a lot of people heading over to Raw under Paul Heyman's control, creative control, I think that there's a lot of benefit to a lot of characters and athletes I've had my eye on. Cedric Alexander, Buddy Murphy, Aleister Black, Ricochet, just four names off the top of my head that I really can't wait to see get into some meaningful rivalries. I think that rant is about over. Let's jump into some NXT news, starting off with some good news and some bad news. The bad news was covered on this edition of TV, but I'm going to knock this out of the park right away. Kushida suffering a wrist injury that'll put him out for action for a few weeks. The Time Splitter had a hell of a main event against the leader of Imperium and WWE United Kingdom champion Walter in a real great David versus Goliath match, but unfortunately suffering an injury on his wrist, and that will put him out of action for, I believe, if I heard it correctly, six to eight weeks. So I'm wishing Kushida a speedy recovery. I'm hoping that my New York Yankees and Masahiro Tanaka can put together a great start for him in his honor, but that's just me trying to combine the best of my two worlds. Jumping into some good news, rather great news for the NXT Women's Division, Evolve superstar and independent circuit famous at this point, Shotzi Blackheart getting signed 
personally by Mr. Regal at an Evolve show. Great way to do it. Great way to show this world's colliding and really show that Evolve is also in the landscape of this developmental talent that we like to throw on, well, not I, but that the perspective on NXT seems to have the Evolve roster really a proving ground to join the PC, to jump onto the NXT roster. So many of their best talents have come from Evolve. Shotzi is no exception. She's a talent. She's got a great look, and I cannot wait to see where she fits in the ever-growing landscape of the NXT women's division. And I'm going to get to a lot of NXT women's roster discussion a little bit later on in the show. Let's get into the October 16th, 2019 edition of NXT. And it could not start off in a bigger way. Tommaso Ciampa returning to action against Angel Garza. Daddy's home. He's coming back for Goldie. And boy, does he look prepared for it. The expression is still there. The Blackheart mentality is still there. And he looks physically greater than ever. The man has had four major surgeries in the past two years. And has somehow, through the grace of the wrestling gods, come back and looks better than ever. Performs better than ever each and every return. And Tommaso Ciampa really laid into Angel Garza through this matchup. He looks great, no ring rust, same old attitude, and the antics that we are familiar with and have come to love and also come to hate, mostly on the hatred side, but cannot be more in love to see him back, patting himself on the back on the ring apron. Such just that expression he has and the applause and the self-pat, it's it's really signature to Tommaso Ciampa at this point. There's so much to miss about the Blackheart, and the return lived up to all expectations. I'm not going to sell Angel Garza short, though. Cousin of Humberto Carrillo, the Garza family put, has put out many, many talents in the world of pro wrestling, Humberto and Garza being the most recent. Garza obviously did his homework during this match, targeting the neck and the knees of Tommaso Ciampa. We know, like I just mentioned, four major surgeries, two years, focusing on repairing ACLs, MCLs, knees, neck, major neck surgery was the reason for this absence and unable to defend that NXT championship at TakeOver New York and really putting that sour ending on what could have been one of the greatest payoffs in an NXT rivalry in this brand's history. But the past is the past. The future is now. Ciampa looks great. We've seen the same mentality of Tommaso Ciampa, the ruthlessness on Angel Garza, and the disrespect. He's being viewed as a babyface right now in the grand scheme of things. I really do think this is eventually going to devolve into this anti-hero middle grounds where you could understand, especially, guys, after watching the Blackheart documentary special on the WWE Network. If you didn't get a chance to watch it before he returned to in-ring action, please do yourself a favor. Take, I want to say, maybe 39 minutes, 47 minutes, some arbitrary time frame like that, and just sit back, relax, watch what this man has gone through, 
Watch how supportive his wife and his daughter are, and just how supportive the entire NXT roster and Full Sail Faithful as a whole has supported Tommaso Ciampa. He's obviously very beloved due to his work ethic, due to what he has done to elevate this brand and bring us that memorable, unforgettable rivalry with Johnny Gargano, the former DIY, going head-to-head so many times in classic matches. The disrespect to the ring gear, that Angel Garza's signature for ripping off, uh, a lot of people could interpret this as stomping out a Mexican flag. I'm not going to go that way. I'm just going to say major disrespect and symbolism to Angel Garza playing the psychological mind games that Tommaso Ciampa is known for. Irritating Garza enough to agitate him to bring him up on that ring apron and hit him with that draping DDT known now as Widow's Willow's Bell. And if you do check out that documentary and my last little rant on that wasn't enough for you, that's a move, a signature move, named after his daughter, really touches you in our red hearts, and the black heart would seal a victory with that maneuver. Angel Garza looked great, just not enough to tackle this revitalized and returning Tommaso Champa, Champa getting a win on his return, obviously very important to keep him in that NXT title picture. Goldie is not where it should be in the mind of Champa, but where it is is around the shoulder and the waist of Adam Cole, baby. And Undisputed Era will not let you forget that. Undisputed Era strutting to the ring and a couple subtleties in this appearance by the dude crew, the Undisputed Era. Look at Roderick Strong. Roderick Strong walking out with Velveteen Dream's glasses on and some rips in his t-shirt. Some real nice subtleties for what we will be seeing and what I'll be discussing in just a matter of seconds. Adam Cole making his presence known as the champion. Kyle O'Reilly, however, had the most memorable moments in this interaction and this appearance by the era. Handing a USB drive to Mauro Ranallo. What could be on that USB drive? There was a lot of speculation in my mind at first. Maybe it was another very innovative and creative show entry, you know, entrance video package for NXT like we've seen before, put together by the digital artist known as Kyle O'Reilly. Maybe it was a couple more slides of Roderick Strong sporting the North American Championship in some not-safe-for-work sort of ways here. And uh, just let me get my computer back on track. It could have been a number of things. We would have to wait until after the commercial breaks, which watching NXT Live, getting this exposure on the USA Network, absolutely incredible for the brand. But just those longer commercial breaks and the picture-in-picture stuff is is still a lot to be desired and a little bit of a culture shock as far as some long-term NXT faithful like myself have uh, have grown accustomed to. If you're, of course, watching it on the network on Thursdays and beyond and listening to this podcast afterwards when I'm trying to release it on Fridays so I could keep up my spoiler-free zone reputation then you don't have to worry about what I'm discussing there and my little pet peeve with what's been going on with the commercial breaks. Kyle O'Reilly 
and that USB drive would bring us some breaking news from the backstage area of Full Sail University. An example has been made and a beatdown has been put on the Velveteen Dream. Adam Cole with some impassioned words for not just the Dream, but also Finn Balor and Tommaso Ciampa having the gall to step up to the leader of the Undisputed Era and wanting to take his championship away. Great promo, great leadership skills displayed as always by Adam Cole, but also something that we don't get to see too often is the passion in Roderick Strong's voice, taking it to the man he beat for that North American championship. Velveteen Dream made an example of the consequences are obviously dire for messing with the Undisputed Era, not just Finn Balor, Tommaso Ciampa, obviously Velveteen Dream put on notice through this, but also the tag team division as well. Let's not forget the control that the Golds is under. Undisputed Era holding all of the men's titles and Shayna Baszler being more dominant than any one of them could also be up for debate. We have some dominant champions at the top of NXT at this time. We have a great tag team. We have Roderick Strong with more endurance than anybody on the roster, in my opinion. Adam Cole with his creative and also skilled ways of winning matches. Undisputed Era is on top, and they really wanted to send a message to the Velveteen Dream in this attack. Now, looking behind the glass a little bit, Velveteen Dream, if you believe everything that you read online, but, uh... This was a pretty good way to write the dream out for a few weeks. Reading reports that he was working with a back injury and kind of could notice that. He had not been ending matches with the Purple Rainmaker as of late. His last victory was one with the Dream Valley Driver. So there could be a lot of wear and tear on the young man's body. Hoping for a very speedy recovery for the dream and obviously looking to reclaim what he rightfully sees as his. What's the landscape for the North American Championship when we were due for a rematch on the October 23rd edition of NXT? Well, that news is coming just a little bit later on. This episode of the UFP is unofficially brought to you by Blue Powerade. Blue Powerade, it's probably the best flavor in, uh, in the bunch there. Moving on though, we did get some tag team action of Oni Orkin and Danny Burch taking on Imperium representatives Marcel Bartel and Fabian Eichner. Just a quick note, how cool is Imperium? We just talked about the faction dominance of the Undisputed Era, but Imperium has a presence. They have an ominous cloud always floating over them. The serious demeanor. The Matt is sacred mentality. It's really, the, the way they're in unison, the entrance, the the, the focus and the discipline behind each and every one of these competitors. Not just Eichner and Bartel who participated in this match. Alexander Wolf stepping out of sanity and into another successful faction is big for him as well in my book. And of course we know of the dominance and the skills and strength of WWE UK champion Walter. And this match would be no exception for Imperium's dominance. Oni Orkin and Danny Burch coming up with a couple big wins over on 205 Live against Tony Nese and Drew Gulak. 
not just once, but twice. So Larkin and Birch were on a roll, but there's something about the chemistry and the teamwork and the uniqueness to the offense of Imperium that just cannot be stopped. This match hit from all angles. It was one of those things that even before the bell rang, you could hear the shots that would be delivered from each side in this matchup. So I was ready for a hard-hitting match, and boy, this did not disappoint. Oni Larkin, some of the hardest chops I've seen on WWE TV. Danny Burch with some unique offense in this one as well, including a jumping headbutt by the governor. What a display and flurry each side of this each side of the ring delivered in this in this tag team contest. Imperium, the impeccable tag team chemistry, slowing the match down, sporting things to their style, able to pick things up at the drop of a dime. Fabian Eichner, able to display the athleticism that took him to the first ever Cruiserweight Classic and to the Evolve Championship, a former Evolve Champion, going back to how great of an impact that brand can have in the roster landscape of NXT. Eichner is a proven product of that. The Street Profits, also a proven product of that, being former Evolve Tag Team Champions before their run with the NXT Tag Team Champions. So you love when worlds collide like this. And speaking of colliding, Oni Lorcan throwing himself like a shot put over that top rope with his topes will never get old in my book. The man personifies the adjective of furious, and he is fast to go along with that. Shout out to John Cena and uh, the Fast and Furious 9 production just wrapping up this past week. Uh, Check out Twitter for all the interactions with Vin Diesel, which I found some uh, personally heartwarming. Anyway, back to the tag team match. As much as Oni Larkin was able to pick up the pace, as proficient as Danny Burch is in the in between the ropes, just not enough to tackle this European faction. And that would be executed by a European uppercut powerbomb combination that would end things for Oni Larkin. Picking up the win here on NXT TV, big time win for Imperium, just continuing their dominance week to week. Alexander Wolf with a win on NXT UK a couple weeks back. Walter and that main event matchup with Kushida, and now the tag team success continues through Fabian Eichner and Marcel Bartel. And Imperium has been impeccable whenever they've been in action as of late. I'm waiting for the inevitable here, Team NXT. I'm sh- I'm striving for it. I don't know what side would play a babyface or heel in any sort of faction versus faction scenario. But I want, and I know I'm speaking for a lot of people here, when I say I want and need Undisputed Era versus Imperium, 4v4, War Games, put it in an eight-man tag, give it a takeover, feel. This match could be big time when the worlds could literally collide of the dominant forces of NXT UK, appearances on NXT TV, and the guys who are at the top of the helm on NXT television with Cole, O'Reilly, Fish, and Strong versus Eichner, Walter, 
Bartel, and Wolf. A lot of things can happen in the faction landscape. Factions and dominance, one of my favorite things as a pro wrestling fan. I grew up as an NWO supporter, like the bad guys even when I was younger. So I'm all about faction warfare. Cannot wait to see what I perceive to be inevitable. Where else do we... Where do we go from here? That that tag team match was... I thought it was really good. I really thought that as much... As much similarity as there was in the styles, there was just enough difference in each competitor individually that it, it really delivered a good match. Johnny Gargano. Johnny Wrestling. The Rebel Heart and Soul of NXT. The NXT for Life video package here. I am whatever NXT needs me to be. And I'm not sure if they need me to be the NXT podcast host that I've been for 99 episodes, but I'm continuing with that mindset as well. That statement really sticks to me, and Johnny Gargano really putting on really just the WWE production team up and down, no matter what brand and where you look. These video packages make you believe, and they make you want to see more. And it's really, really great stuff. Can't speak enough to the talent behind these video packages. From Johnny Gargano's video package, we would see an interview with Queen Kathy Kelly going back to the history between Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa. And I don't need to sit here and lay it all out for you. It is well documented in past takeovers as a tag team to the greatest rivalry in NXT history to this point. The DIY storyline, I feel, before that was was Sami Zayn's Road to Redemption was the finest in NXT rivalries. Sami Zayn's Road to Redemption, Sasha Banks versus Bayley in 2014-2015 before NXT TakeOver Brooklyn, and the DIY saga are probably my top three rivalries in NXT history thus far. Not underselling what I'll be discussing later with Keith Lee and Dominic Dijakovic, but those are timeless and are living in the annals of NXT history forever. Absolutely, without a doubt. But to answer the questions to the questions to Gargano from the Queen, really undefined so far. They won't Johnny won't know how to answer until they are face to face once again. And really wondering where this is going to go, how that's going to pick up, where the animosity may continue. I know Tommaso Ciampa personally greeted Gargano on the entrance ramp of TakeOver New York, fortunate enough to see that in person. So I don't know. I'm not sure where the existing possible underlying animosity could be. Will the friendship continue to grow and blossom? Was that just a sign of respect or was that a sign of amends from Ciampa to Gargano? A lot of questions when the two DIY brethren meet face-to-face once again. Alright, Team NXT, I thought this one over, and we're going to talk NXT women's action now, but I'm going to also go into the second of two big returns to NXT. Tegan Knox would return to action against Tainara, but first in this show, we would have Io Shirai taking on Caden Carter, the formerly known Lacey Lane, the former Mae Young Classic competitor, and I'm a big believer in Caden Carter's ability, but Io Shirai is putting on some of the most consistent, good matches in this women's division. I loved how this match started. 
It was an athletic and evasive start. It was, if I can make a Marvel movie reference here, it was like Black Widow versus another Black Widow in this one. Flying around, handsprings, evading. It was such a visual delight to watch the athletic ability of these two women. And before I go into how great Io Shirai is, gotta give Caden Carter props. She could definitely rival Grand Metalik in the master king slash queen of the ropes in her own right. The athleticism, the springboarding, the uniqueness of how she's able to use the ring to her advantage, I thought it was absolutely spectacular display of talent from Caden Carter. I'm a big believer in her as well. Another one, unique look, athletic ability. I really think that there's room to improve, but she's shaping up to be considered a real talent in the landscape of this division. But the contendership scene is really crowded right now, and it it could be such, such a number of people able to step up to Shayna Baszler and attempt to take the title away from her. But let's get to the finish of this match. The nasty side of Io Shirai that we've all become familiar with since that steel cage match she had with Shayna Baszler, turning her back and turning a steel chair on Candice LeRae. We've seen some nastiness and aggressiveness out of Io Shirai, but one thing that is not nasty is that moonsault. The most beautiful moonsault in all of WWE. I'm including Charlotte Flair in that statement, and if that forces you to shut off this show, then I really don't blame you. I know that's kind of a controversial take, but Io Shirai, best moonsault best aerial ability, and I've said this before, and I feel like it's mandatory I say it as a big-time Rey Mysterio fan, I don't know how somebody so inspired by Rey Mysterio and his ability could make such a big-time heel, yet still incorporate these incredible visual feats of aerial athleticism. It's it's really mind-blowing. It's, it's such a paradox in my mind, as somebody whose first favorite wrestler ever and to this day is Rey Mysterio. Shirai would win this match with a moonsault and a post-match speech by Io Shirai throwing her hat in this crowded NXT Women's Championship contender scenario. In her mind, it's not Rhea Ripley. It's not Bianca Belair. Shayna, it's me. And upon hearing this, Rhea Ripley, the rampaging kid, the mosh pit enthusiast, (laughs) would make her presence known and object to this one big time. However, Shirai does kind of seem unbothered by Rhea Ripley and her very, very intimidating presence, despite being undersized. Shirai was able to hold her composure for a little while, despite uh, having to leave the ring so shortly after. You know, a hard competitive match with Lacey Lane, and Rhea Ripley is not somebody you want to come in contact with after you've already been in a competitive scenario. Rhea Ripley, not happy with Io Shirai's words, and very stern warning to keep her name out of her mouth. I feel like every single competitor each of the two competitors, rather, that Io Shirai called out. Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair 
have stated numerous times to keep their names out of their opponent's mouth. She's got no problem, she being Rhea Ripley, pronouns, pal, no problem shutting up Io Shirai after she shuts up Bianca Belair, and that match will take place next week. The two strongest, strong EST in the women's division has to be Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair. Bianca Belair, a very complete package in size and strength and overall athleticism. <sighs> Sorry, team. Uh, got a little bit of a choking incident. Had to pause from there. Where uh, where was I? That's, that's right. The, uh, the size, the strength, the speed, the charisma. Bianca Belair is a star and could very well be a champion. But she's already lost twice to Shayna Baszler. One-on-one, unsuccessful. Fatal four-way, she's the one who took the loss. I'm not sure how many times Bianca Belair is going to get a shot at Shayna Baszler. I want to see Rhea Ripley versus Shayna Baszler in a more clean-cut, one-on-one scenario. However, Rhea Ripley is not the one I want to take the NXT Women's Championship away from Shayna Baszler. I know that's a bit of a shocking statement. I know what I'm going to jump into. A little bit of a controversial take. But let's discuss the woman from Wales first. A second return that I'm honestly sorry I didn't mention at the beginning of this show with all of the joy surrounding my Tommaso Ciampa return takes. Tegan Knox, the girl with the shiniest wizard, Lady Kane, back on NXT TV, really expected her to return to the NXT UK landscape at this time. But more than happy to see her on NXT TV and reunited with her friend and fellow Team Fly Kicks member, Dakota Kai. But jumping into this action with Tynera, I guess Tynera Conchi lost her last name, but I, I'm uh, going to say excuse me if I refer to her last name, not just now, but in the future. Tynera, great judo skills. I love the fact that she wears her black belt to the ring her authentic black belt that has that real snap and real feel to it, and also has one as a part of her attire. I think that's coming from a fellow hashtag real black belt. I think that's a very welcome addition to Tynera's look. The judo skills, the speed, the submission technique, the able to chain through a lot of osot- um I'm, I'm not going to use the real name here. A lot of hip throws and over the shoulder and the... Th- the grappling game ability of Tynara, not something that could be overlooked. And speaking of looks, she also looks like a model, which doesn't hurt the case in her Latinas do it better statements. But Tegan Knox, Tegan Knox coming back, double knee braced, but double the effectiveness in her offense, pulling out all the signatures, including that choke slam, which refers me back to that earlier Lady Kane reference. Big inspiration from the Big Red Machine in Tegan Knox's world. Shiniest Wizard, though, would seal the deal and the victory for Tegan Knox. From taking to the skies to delivering the Shiniest Wizard and going to throw out just a little bit of kayfabe in my humble opinion, I think that knee brace definitely ups the effectiveness of her Shiniest Wizard, shines through and grants her the W. Tegan Knox, big time return, 
and a big-time victory back on NXT TV. Dakota Kai coming out. Post-match congratulations to her tag team partner and friend would be cut short by the presence of the current NXT Women's Champion Shayna Baszler and the Queen of Spades Army in Jasmine Duke and Marina Shafir. Shayna delivering some really intimidating and ominous words to Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai. They're running out of limbs to rehab. What a great line. She's such a bully. And between Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai, I've said it once, I've said it before about Shayna Baszler's opponents, you need to punch the bully in the face. That's real life advice as well. You got a bully in the, you got a bully in your life, you need to punch him in the face, you need to chew them out, you need to stand up for yourself. And that's what Tegan Knox, that's what Dakota Kai need to do. We know Dakota Kai's brutal history with Shayna Baszler. Tegan Knox, knee injury, coming back from a really career-threatening injury. Shayna, however, does not see either of these ladies as formidable opponents, and they have not done enough to earn a title shot. End of promo, beginning of rant for the NXT Women's Division. Look at the number one contender possibilities scenario right now that we have. Bianca Belair, the EST of NXT. Rhea Ripley, the first ever NXT UK Women's Champion. The woman who was in the match that Tegan Knox suffered an injury during the Mae Young Classic and able to carry that heel badass attitude through and through after that match and walking out with the victory. Io Shirai, her new aggressiveness, her chance and her shot to get the redemption and title that she was not able to do at TakeOver 25 or in that steel cage match where she first where she followed up on this newly displayed attitude because there was foreshadowing with the moonsaults with the steel chair and the kendo sticks coming into play at that match and post-match rather at TakeOver 25. But my heart and my mentality is so behind a Dakota Kai redemption story. Dakota Kai, one of the first victims to that brutal shoulder and elbow stomp that Shayna Baszler has incapacitated and immobilized her opponents with. Dakota Kai has that look about her that says underdog, that says there's a good story here. Even if you don't believe in me, I believe in myself. The tough kicking Kiwi needs that chance to shine. You can go back over a year, almost a year. It's it's in that 300 days scenario landscape, folks. I'm not sure what the over-under is in the year, but get, please get back to me at podcast underscore UF if you have any of that information for me. Dakota Kai could have that underdog tale that rebuild back up into serious contender contention. I know about her loss. I just covered it against Bianca Belair. That was a match to solidify Bianca Belair back into the title picture and giving herself a reason 
to call out Rhea Ripley and the words that she's objected to Rhea speaking about getting to step up to Shayna Baszler first. But there's so much... I love a great underdog story. I mentioned it earlier. The Sami Zayn Road to Redemption. You can't win the big one. It's such a simple message. But it always can be delivered with the right talents. And I think Dakota Kai has that ability. I think the redemption is there. The history is without a doubt already there in this NXT women's landscape. There's a lot of great contenders and a lot of really great in-ring talents wanting to step up to the submission magician. But Belair has had her shot. Io Shirai, not so much with this new attitude. We were only able to see bits and pieces of it, like I said. Rhea Ripley has her own reasons for getting another shot with Shayna Baszler. Match ending in DQ, I thought was a really... Interesting take and finish for their first interaction one-on-one, so I'd like to see that go a little bit further. But the history and the underdog appeal definitely lies, in my opinion, with Dakota Kai being the one to step up and kick the bully in the face and be that one to dethrone the Queen of Spades and take that NXT Women's Championship away from Shayna two times. No matter who's in that scenario, though, I'm excited. I want to see Shayna Baszler with a credible contender again. We've seen seen some pretty cookie-cutter finishes from her matches, as creative as the submissions have been, as different as her last few opponents have been. Candice LeRae speaking to that underdog narrative that I just displayed to all you guys on that first edition of NXT on USA. Well, that first night of the Wednesday Night Wars, rather, way back on October 2nd. Uh, Mia Yim, Mia Yim being probably the most aggressive and definitely the most street smart of Shayna Baszler's opponents to date. I thought that match was fine. I thought that Mia Yim needing to bend the rules and give Shayna a little bit of a taste of her own aggressive medicine was kind of cool. But there's a lot that could be done with Belair, Ripley, Shirai, Dakota Kai, Tegan Knox could be built on a similar road to redemption that Dakota Kai is on. I'd love to see Tegan Knox in a meaningful rivalry outside of the women's championship picture. You gotta give me a great rivalry outside of the championship scenarios. It's another great thing that NXT does. It makes you care about characters, not just chase for championships. And what a great segue into this next chapter of NXT I want to discuss. Going back a ways, Velveteen Dream not cleared for next week's rematch against Roderick Strong for that North American Championship or cleared for a while after that vicious beatdown and obviously the suffering of the lower back that Velveteen Dream has suffered. If they want to steer into that, we could see some really brutal offense from Roderick Strong in that assault. Coming into play, we know in the back of our minds, at least, even though we didn't need to see it, that Roderick Strong is able to make a backbreaker out of anything in the ring. I could only imagine with what he would have at his disposal backstage to slam the Velveteen Dreams back on and really aggravate that already existing injury. 
So a little bit of real world meets uh, meets kayfabe assault there. However, Roderick Strong will still be defending his North American Championship next week against the winner of round four of Keith Lee and Dominic Dijakovic. Lee versus Dijak, a 1-1-1 series going back a couple months to that double countout finish. Dijakovic able to pick up the first solidified victory in this rivalry. Keith Lee bouncing back with his limitless potential and picking up that other win. So one win apiece and a draw. Round four, get ready to fight. This rivalry has delivered on all fronts. These big men, not just displaying size, not just like two angry bulls in a china shop, but the athleticism, the the power, strength, strikes, athleticism. If this rivalry is missing anything, I haven't seen it. I haven't found it yet. If it's missing and you find it, please let me know. But I thought this has been one of the most complete and combative rivalries in NXT outside of a title picture. And now there's championship stakes behind it in this match. Great stuff. Stakes, number one contendership, Dijakovic at a time before the untimely injuries between him and Lee respectively was shaping up to be a possible opponent for the Velveteen Dream and that North American Championship. So I'm happy Dijak gets thrown back in that scenario. I'm shortening his last name here because Dijakovic really takes takes a lot of stamina out of you when you got to say it as many times as I do, trying to sit here and do this pot. Dijak's offense, the kicks, unforgettable tornado boots from this one. And he was really needing to use his legs in this contest because Keith Lee had a great focus on the left arm of Dijakovic. And without that arm, without the grip strength, Dijakovic would not be able to deliver the Feast Your Eyes finisher, that GTS looking, that modified GTS maneuver. Really great stuff. Dijak reminds me of some of the great big men I have watched in my lifetime, but with that bit more of athleticism, he's got a clean look, but yet intensity in his eyes. Keith Lee, one of the most mobile big men I have ever laid eyes on. A reverse Rana, a poison Rana by Keith Lee later in this matchup. Are you kidding me with these collisions? These men throwing it when you think you haven't seen it, when when you think you've seen it all and what these two guys are able to deliver to each other outside of what normal body specifications of their size and stature can do. Keith Lee breaks out a reverse Hurricane Rana. Couldn't believe it. Sit here in shock. There's been so many, oh my God, moments to look back on in this series of four matches these men have had with each other. I'm, I'm shaking my table getting so freaking excited thinking about that again. Great match. Great rivalry. You think it might end with one of these men jumping into the NXT North American title contention. But current champion Roderick Strong, after laying the beat down with his Undisputed Era dudes on Velveteen Dream, would play spoiler and end this one in a disqualification. Vicious knee, striking Lee with the title. Roddy would ruin the chances of a North American title match. But only for a matter of seconds. 
William Regal, obviously still standing by and watching this matchup of these two Bulls. Obviously, he wanted to get a first-hand look at this rivalry just like the rest of us did. And delivering the best line of the show, you thought that was very clever. Very clever, Roddy. I'm, I'm not going to try and do my Cockney accent. It's, it's honestly not that good. I'm going to stick to the voice that is your choice for NXT discussion. Not clever enough, Sunshine. William Regal, absolutely irate at Roderick Strong's involvement, would declare a triple threat match set for next week between Roderick Strong, Dominic Dijakovic, and Keith Lee for the North American Championship. Roddy will now not need to be pinned to lose his championship. He will be placed in a very similar takeover scenario when he took on Pete Dunne and the Velveteen Dream earlier this year. Takeover Toronto, duh. Takeover Toronto 2. Roddy Strong not winning that night. Velveteen Dream able to retain, but Roderick Strong would fulfill that prophecy on October 2nd, taking away the North American Championship from Velveteen Dream. And another memorable matchup in the North American Championship scenario that has lived on so far. From that title's infancy, it's really felt important. And I've heard this take a few times, and I really need to agree with it. Every single title on NXT TV feels important. NXT Championship, Tag Team Championship, North American Championship, the stranglehold that Shayna Baszler has on the Women's Championship, the dominant Walter, still undefeated as UK Champion, the interesting tag team scenario going on in NXT UK, which I read a pretty heartbreaking spoiler about earlier this year. The shock that has come in the NXT UK Women's Division in my opinion, with Kaylee Ray able to overcome Tony Storm. Every single match and every single title under this brand's umbrella has felt really important. And I cannot wait to see what the competitive edge in that North American Championship triple threat match will be next week on NXT TV. Moving forward, another man very excited to see on NXT TV again, the OG bro, the king of bros, Matt Riddle, and his own strong style would take on the Australian strong style practitioner in Bronson Reed. And before I get into the nitty gritty of this matchup, and I'll talk about Boa a little bit later on and his disputes with Killian Dane after that vicious assault that Dane laid out on him after his quick loss to Cameron Grimes. Every single man in the breakout tournament has gotten a chance to break out without being a finalist in this tournament. Bronson Reed, great series of matches when he's been on TV against Shane Thorne. Even though he came up short, he looked great. Jordan Miles, cashing in on his tournament victory and taking on Adam Cole in a very competitive matchup for the NXT Championship. Cameron Grimes, yeah, he's rubbed me the wrong way, but he's supposed to. Quick victories with that vicious stomp. What a move. What a hard-hitting and believable finish caving in his opponent's chests. I love the tournament. 
I really did. I, I think it's doing great things to build the NXT landscape. I cannot wait to see what other great products and signees come from outside the, the Performance Center, what homegrown talents are being made inside the Performance Center. This tournament, I really hope it's as annual and cornerstone to the NXT brand as the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Tournament has been. Into the match, though, Matt Riddle would need all his power in this one, and bro, he definitely lifts. Able to lift up Bronson Reed is nothing short of an impressive display of strength. Bronson Reed, gotta give credit though, the Australian strong style on display going strike for strike with a mixed martial artist of Matt Riddle's caliber. The size advantage Reed had was able to shine through. Riddle able to deliver a senton. Bronson Reed with his bigger frame would throw one right back at the bro, but it would come down to power and strength in this one. Riddle is a complete package in those in that squared circle. The bro Derek for the win, kind of looking like a uh, like a gotch neutralizer, I, I guess. But the opponent faces the other way. I don't know. It's an impressive display of strength, especially able to pull it off on a man of Bronson Reed's str- size and ability. And I love puns. I love professional wrestling when the two worlds meet, like a bro Derek name for a finisher. Really hits me in uh, in my funny bone. Post-match, really can't expect anything less from Matt Riddle. Not just strength displayed in this match, but sportsmanship as well. Bronson Reed gave him a very competitive matchup. Matt Riddle displaying a fist bump of appreciation for the Australian. And Bronson Reed would reciprocate. And this match ends on a high note. Great match, sportsmanship and strength ending. I uh, I really enjoyed this one. I thought it did great things for Bronson Reed to break out. Matt Riddle continues and rebounds from an unsuccessful NXT Championship match against Adam Cole, which I hate using the term match of the year because sometimes the matches just run together and I just sit here in appreciation no matter what month, day of the week, time of the year, weather outside, however it may look. It's it's pro wrestling. It was one of the top matches I have definitely seen in recent history. Cole versus Riddle. I've watched it three times. I'm sure someone out there has had as much appreciation for it as I have. All right, I'm drifting into about an hour here, folks. I know with the two-hour landscape of NXT shifting, I promised more 45 minutes to an hour length episodes, but... uh. We're drifting a little bit here, so I'm going to cover this one quick. Boa versus Killian Dane. Boa looking for a little bit of redemption. Mentioned him as a breakout tournament competitor as well. Hot start striking by Boa. Muay Thai specialist, uh, Taekwondo, Tang Soo Do, martial artist. But he gets quickly divided on the outside by the beast of Belfast. Dane is just too strong. Boa tried his best to rebound from his... From his sacrifice from Dane, I guess it was really, really creepy vibes surrounding that uh, that last that last beatdown that Dane delivered post match against Cameron Grimes. The referee would call it after not just a series, a trifecta, to be specific, 
of Vader bombs coming from Killian Dane, but a submission would finish this one. And I guess Killian Dane might have learned a thing or two from his past rivalry with the King of Bros, Matt Riddle. Dane walking out with a win. Dane is on the rebounds, coming back from an intense rivalry with Matt Riddle, culminating in not just one, but two street fights. Two hardcore scenarios. Boy. Dane, Dane is a powerhouse. Dane is intense. I'm glad he's getting a second wind back on NXT. I'm hoping, and I really find it ironic, that Killian Dane is getting the chance to rebound. Nikki Cross is on the up and up with her success being drafted to, well, being drafted to Raw, but then traded to SmackDown alongside Alexa Bliss, which I'm um, uh, just one of the draft logistics I really did not understand, but check out one of the many main roster podcast that I'm a fan of if you want draft criticisms and observations. But Nikki Cross getting the chance to shine. Alexander Wolf, as I mentioned, going from one unique faction to another successful and unique faction from Sanity to Imperium. And really the ironic thing about this is the leader of Sanity seems to be getting the short end of the stick in this. And I know I've said it in the past, the Brotherhood of Sanity, it felt like a level playing ground. It didn't feel like one man was superior to the other, but Eric Young, Eric Young was, without a doubt, the masterminds of bringing Sanity together and elevating this brotherhood. Brotherhood featuring Nikki Cross. Uh, family, I guess, if, if you want to call it something like that, maybe similar to the Adams family, more than anything else, which, just a sidetrack here, I really can't believe they're trying to reboot that in a... Uh, in an animated film, it does not look promising in my opinion. If you want a great Halloween movie to turn into this spooky season, definitely go back to the original one or even check out the uh, the Scooby-Doo cartoon that they were once a part of. And I'm drifting. Eric Young drafted to Raw as a free agent. I'm hoping he finds success. The man has been in this business for a long time. He's given me the okay to draft a fantasy hockey team and even go to him for possible draft advice, so uh, if you want to follow up on any sports outside of professional wrestling, just tweet at Eric Young, and uh, he's pretty responsive to his fans. I was I was really uh, really tugged on the heartstrings when he uh, encouraged me to participate in fantasy hockey for the first time, which uh, I'm thinking maybe it's, it's a little bit too late for. And uh, let's get back to wrestling, though, shall we? Sanity finding success, unfortunately, not as a faction on SmackDown, but as individuals outside with their own success and speaking of sanity if you want to talk and listen if you want to listen to me talk to one of the founding members of sanity check out the spotlight on the soundcloud page my interview with sawyer fulton unforgettable stuff one of the best things i've ever done since bringing this show to light oh we got a spotlight this episode on the new nxt cruiserweight champion leo rush I'm really liking that Cruiserweight Wrestling is being brought under the NXT umbrella, and I'll tell you guys why, because I grew up as a fan of Cruiserweight Wrestling. It was the first thing that made me fall in love. I remember sitting with my dad being five, six years old, and just being blown away by talents like Rey Mysterio and Psychosis and Juventud Guerrera. Yeah, I was a big Hoobie fan. Don't, 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 don't hate on the Cruiserweight greats. Blitzkrieg, Dean Malenko... Chris Jericho at the time, also a uh, major heel in the Cruiserweight division at a point in WCW. 
Grew up a WCW fanboy. Cruiserweight division was my highlight. So seeing this division that I've cared so much about, being a weekly viewer of 205 Live, I'm really glad it's getting the NXT treatment underneath the NXT umbrella. I cannot wait to see that title being defended at a takeover for the first time with the right talents. And we know Leo Rush has the talent and ability. If he could keep his nose clean and his mind clear and just really appreciate what he's getting the opportunity to do, I think that Leo Rush can be that person to elevate this division as long as it remains under the NXT umbrella, which I see I see it as a permanent fixture. I really don't see it going back to main roster booking with the Fox deal going on for SmackDown and with Raw needing its focus on the NXT, on the the USA Network, and really needing to steer the ship properly there. I'm really all for NXT taking more of the reins when it comes to Cruiserweight Championship matches being booked. And that first ever TakeOver Cruiserweight Championship title defense, I do think, can be something very, very special. Speaking of somebody that I see very, very special with my New York City bias, Damian Priest. The Archer of Infamy, taking on the Bruiserweight, Pete Dunne. And this, I, I know canonically, I'm, I'm skipping around a little bit here. I want to cover the women's division in one fell swoop and one not-so-swift rant. But Killian Dane, still on the outside, still by the entrance ramp area, displaying an aggressiveness towards Pete Dunne. And he would get a finger snap for his trouble. I mentioned it before, Pete Dunne has more joint manipulation tactics than Tommy Chung. But Killian Dane getting getting in his face and despite being held back and warned against it and Pete Dunne is fresh and Killian Dane just laid the beat down on somebody. Dane getting maybe maybe not what he deserves in, in my opinion, but obviously in the mindset of Pete Dunne, he didn't take too kindly to the aggressiveness of Killian Dane right before a matchup and uh, got a finger break for his trouble. Talking about this matchup though, Damian Priest, I will say this with incredible bias, but he looks like a star. He talks like a star. Going back to that a little bit earlier in this episode, the backstage, the vest, and the beautiful woman by his side and giving him those <clears throat> sort of sort of eyes, eyeing him up and down. I mean... Priest not only looks like a movie star, but he looks like a pro wrestling star as well. I love his entrance, the arrow stuff, and being able to shoot an arrow and make that uh, that Titantron display go up with his name. I loved it. I love it when Luke Harper was delivering the uh, the invisible arrows to his opponents before laying them out with a... Uh, Oh boy, with a uh, with a cyclone lariat, I- I'm probably getting the name of that wrong. A discus clothesline, there it is. All I need to do is all I need to do is talk that out, Team NXT. I apologize. The discus clothesline after the launching of the arrow by Luke Harper. I've been a fan of it since then. Damian Priest really getting the chance to lean into being an archer, and I don't think there's any archery ranges in Manhattan. Um think there might be out here on Staten Island. I've seen a few people go out to the park and have targets set up, so I'm not sure where Damian Priest is getting his practice, but uh but the the archer stuff works. I'm a fan. 
The guy looks like a star. He wants to live forever, and so far with what he's displayed, in my eyes, he will be. Pete Dunne, we already know about his credibility to live forever. The guy is over 500 days as WWE United Kingdom champion. The longest reigning champion in the modern era. Maybe only competing with Asuka for longevity in his title reign. Talking nitty gritty about this match though, the game plan of Dunn is always the same. Executed very uniquely, taking away the fingers and the grip of Damian Priest. Very hard to fire an arrow with broken fingers. I know Moro mentioned that. I'm going to reiterate that point. Thought it was great storytelling, taking out the grip of the Archer of Infamy. Damian Priest looked good though, man. Unexpected offense. And it was very akin to what we mentioned and discussed earlier with Keith Lee and Dominic Dijakovic. The Poison Rana coming from them. The top rope cannonball springboard tope to the outside on Pete Dunne. Another unexpected match, unexpected maneuver in this match by Damian Priest. The guy has the athleticism, the look. If he could keep up his talking points, he has the voice. He has the voice to be a great star in this brand, top heel in this industry, without a doubt, in the upcoming future. This match, though, very entertaining man events. I mentioned it previously on my past episodes. I try not to take notes during the main event. I really try and just speak from the heart and what I remember because you got to tune in with your whole heart when you're watching an NXT TV main event. But strike for strike, hockey fight for hockey fight, series of reversals towards the end of this matchup. Pete Dunne delivered and also made Priest look like that future star that I believe he is. And Damian Priest would walk out with a win over a former champion of Pete Dunne's credibility. But it would not come without some controversy. The tangle in the corner turnbuckle, the referee would be caught in the middle, an obstructed low blow would lead to the reckoning of Pete Dunne. Damian Priest would walk out of full sail this evening with a victory, and he's another one that remains undefeated. Ted. Damian Priest, big win, the biggest of his NXT career to date, without a doubt. Another week, another great episode of NXT TV. Thank you guys so much for listening. I really can't do this without you. There is no I in Team NXT. I would not be this motivated to run through and follow this path to episode 100 without the support of my fellow podcasts, everybody on the Twitterverse, all the fan interaction. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you for giving me talking points. Thank you for giving me creative outlooks. Thank you for shaping my interpretation of matches sometimes. Like there's there's some things that I miss. No fan input on the positive and constructive side of things is ever overlooked in my opinion. If you're going to sit there, bitch and complain about a star or how they're being treated or the booking or so, just save it. I do this podcast because I was inspired by the best brand going in all of pro wrestling. I do this podcast to discuss positivity. I do this 
because I love NXT. And I really appreciate all of you loving and appreciating this brand as much as I have grown to. So thank you so much for listening to episode 99. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at podcast underscore UF. A lot of big things are coming this week. I'm going to try and throw out some polls, just some talking points. If anybody's listening and wants to maybe kickstart their uh, their mind for this, I'm going to be asking and reaching out for input on people's favorite takeover event overall. If you want to throw out a particular takeover match that has stuck with you, I'm more than happy to hear from that as well. I want to know your favorite NXT champions to this date, your favorite women's champion, your favorite tag team champion, your favorite North American champion, despite its its kind of infancy in comparison to the rest of the NXT championships. Give me all of your favorite talents to hold those titles. Your favorite rivalry and story could be for one of those titles. It could be one of those just Keith Lee, Dominic Dijakovic blood rivalries, just two superstars who want to get their hands on each other. And I also want to know, and this this might seem a little bit egotistical of me, but I want your input on your favorite matches from takeovers that I have been to. And to give you the rundown on those, NXT TakeOver Brooklyn, 1, 2, 3, and 4. NXT TakeOver New York, informally, I guess, NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 5, because that also took place from the Barclays Center at WrestleMania weekend. NXT TakeOver Philadelphia, in the collector's chair that I'm sitting on each and every week doing this podcast from. Johnny Gargano versus Andrade Almas has my vote probably for the best match of that, of definitely the first part of 2018. Give me your input from TakeOver Matt from the TakeOver events that I have been through. I want to know your outlook on matches, whether you watched it live with me, whether you watched it from home. I really, I want fan, I want personal interaction about events that I have been to personally. And you could be sure to look out for those discussion points on the Twitter at podcast underscore UF. Follow the Instagram. I'll be posting a uh, coinciding picture with each and every episode and uh, letting you guys know as soon as it's available. I know it's Saturday morning. I'm going to try and get this out by Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening. It's really all a matter of how much life gets in the way and how long Colin, the Velveteen Dream, wants to walk for. And uh, you'll obviously get a chance to see pictures of him as well. Uh, Give me a like on the Facebook page. I appreciate any interaction that may come from from that. It's not my most used form of social media as a whole. I really do think that the wrestling discussion is best if you know where to look on wrestling Twitter, but I'd appreciate that little boost to my ego as well. There will be a Patreon coming. Um, I'd like to get it out before episode 100. Again, that's all a matter of how much life gets in the way. Really throwing up some ideas for... Uh, for unique segments and episodes to do on a Patreon, I want to do NXT TakeOver watch-alongs from the past and the present. I want to do NXT throwback discussions focusing on past TakeOver events or past rivalries. I was inspired by, uh, I'm not sure if it's still going, but uh, Phil and Phil and Nick over at Who Got Next Pod, one of the great 
shows to also discuss NXT. Did an entire saga on the DIY rivalry and just the formation of them as a team and really documenting Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano. I thought it was fantastic work. So I'm really inspired by that idea. I might do my own personal take on that. I want to start discussing NXT UK. So if anyone out there wants a American perspective on NXT UK, then uh, I think I'm going to put a couple reviews up there on the Patreon page. I'm not going to make it outrageous or expensive. I'm probably just going to have one tier. It's it's not going to be more than five bucks a month. I'm not trying to dip into anybody's subscription services as outrageous as some of these prices are already getting. So uh, but the cost is, is up in the air at this point, but I am looking for a Patreon start. I am looking for further support going 100 episodes strong. I really want to see what... Uh, what my fan base and what my listeners want as far as additional content besides week-to-week NXT review. So if you have some ideas I could do for Patreon exclusivity, be sure to tweet those at me as well. And of course, last but not least, you can find this podcast on all your favorite podcasting platforms, Apple Apple Podcasts, Can't Say iTunes Anymore, RIP iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, which is my personal favorite platform to listen to podcasts on. Not sure if I'm on Spotify yet. I got to double check the legitimacy on that. And uh, if I'm not there now, I'm definitely going to be there soon. Wherever you find your favorite podcasts, I will be there to discuss NXT TV. Have a great weekend, wrestling fans. I'm CD, Danny Mac, and thank you so much for listening to that UFP show all about the NXT show, episode 99 of the Undisputed Future Podcast.